just so thankful um, for you being here tonight. Truly, God is an awesome, awesome, awesome God. Turn to Matthew chapter 13. We're going to um, pick up immediately where uh, the thought patterns in which we left off um, want to try to establish um, some of the things that we had covered um, before. And one, one of our, well, our premise, our premise was um, practicing Jesus' presence. How do we practice his presence? How do we feel that every moment of every day that he's with us? And every moment of every day that he wants to speak to us. And every moment of every day he wants to lead God and direct us. Amen? So we're talking, we're talking about practicing his presence. And then we're talking about promoting his powers in our lives. Um, and then third, proclaiming his peace. So one of the things we've been dealing with is typically when the heat is up, typically when things are breaking out, things are going on, that is, the, that, that is the exact time that we don't practice his presence. Uh, that is the exact time we do not uh, proclaim his power or his peace. When the fire gets turned up, there is a great desire for us to return to those good old days of yesteryear, the old nature. Isn't that right? And, and, and so one of the things that I want to lay out in Matthew 13, of course, is the parable of the sower and the seed. And one of the things that we have been discussing is that there are four seeds sown. And until you and I fully understand the breakdown of this passage, it really means nothing to us. And so one of the things that we established was that God is the sower. Amen. God is the sower. It's God who sows the word. I'm talking about the word. Now, we reap what we sow because we don't sow the word. We sow a lot of mess. Amen. But God is the sower. He's the farmer. Now, I want you to look up. God is the farmer that takes seed and sows it. Now, anybody that knows anything about cultivation or, or anything dealing with farming knows that you just don't put seed on top of any kind of soil. You got to break it up, uh, break the fallow ground up. You got to, you you got to plow. You got to you got to treat soil, so forth, so on, and then you put seed where 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 soil. Listen, where soil has been treated. Now here's the key. Here's the key. Here's the key. Um, we use a lot of metaphors, or similes, illustrations to help you understand um, spiritual properties and processes. So in Matthew 13, God is the sower and the seed is the word. God is not interested in sowing your personal vision for your life. God sows the word. Somewhere in that word, you will meet God about your personal vision, you'll meet about your life, 
stop, you know, where, where, where it is you're trying to go. But um, God sows the word, and the word is sown, here it is, in the soils of man's hearts. The problem is not the sower, not the seed. The problem is the soil. Say soil. So my soils are defective. My, 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 my soils, my dirt, where seed is coming in, is messed up. Now, there are four seeds sown in this parable, 75% or three-fourths, 0.75 or three-fourths, of the seed does not germinate. And, 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 the text, and the text tells us why it does not germinate. First, the waysider, we, we, we talked about seeds being sown and birds coming immediately, eating up the seeds. All right, and then, and then we talked about uh, 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 those soils that had no depth in themselves. All right, and then third, we talked about the riches of this world that chokes the word, things that we desire that God, amen, may not desire for you to get caught up in starts choking the very word. So we, we understand the uh, 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 symbolism here. What I want to deal with is this present because heretofore we've been dealing with this matter of the sower and the seed and I, I, I identified, and I'm going to go back to this because this is critical, I identify what is it that prevents me from practicing the Lord's presence, and what is it that prevents me from, um, my God, from uh, uh, promoting his power instead of mine? What is it that prevents me, amen, from practicing his peace? And, and, and so one of the things that we have to understand is that we're only talking, listen to this, we're only speaking to situations where the fire is turned up. We're not talking about when you come out uh, home from church and, and, and everything's going well. No, we ain't talking about, we're talking about fire. We're talking about tribulations, trials, philipsis, Greek word. We're talking about when trouble enters your life, what typically are the decisions that we make? And we make some bad decisions. When fire comes in, we make bad decisions. Yes, we do. The reason we make bad decisions is because our faith is shaken. And we feel free to go back to our pre-Christ days of working it out and figuring it out. Under pressure, we do some um, things that are not in God's will. We say things that's not in God's will. We think things that are not in God's will. We, 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 we are apt, if Satan can move us into some fire, some heat, he knows that he can shake our faith. He knows if he can move us into an area of vulnerability that we're not going to stay yielded to a holy God. It's all through the Bible. It's all through the Bible. Everybody that God allowed heat to come into their lives, made some terrible decisions. It happens. 
It happens to you, it happens to me. I gave a personal testimony about something that happened in Philly, and I did it intentionally because I wanted you to know I made a bad decision on the spot. Why? Because I felt under pressure. And under pressure, I wasn't going to sit on 15th and Chestnut and pray. Under pressure, I wasn't trying to practice the presence of Jesus, which I should do. Under pressure, I wasn't concerned about his peace or power. I reacted to something out of fear. Are y'all understand what I'm saying? It's when the heat is turned up. Now, I know there's Christians in church and some here tonight that they have a perfect track record. They've never made a mistake, never did anything wrong. They are in God's graces and God is in heaven clapping about you right now. I, I understand that. And you're a liar from the pit. Because the Bible says, and, and, and John uses the conditional word, if we sin, and the, way, and, the, and the reason that's conditional, if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, because God knows you're going to sin. It's, 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 it's no figment of God's imagination that you and I are going to be sinless. There's no way. Because we have the old nature, we have a whole lot of stuff on the inside that will not pay attention to God under pressure. Now let's talk about under pressure. Under pressure. And that's why I tell church folk, and I love this, stop telling folk what you would do. Don't go there. Please don't go there. Don't go there. Well, if my husband hit me, no, no, no. Uh, no. It, now, here, here you are in church. If my husband hit me, I'm just going to get on my knees and pray. You lying. Yeah, you get on your knees after you shoot him and say, Lord, don't let me get life for this. You, you know, so, so, so under pressure, under pressure, here, here, here's the operative word tonight. Under pressure, under pressure, how do we practice the presence, the power, and the peace of Jesus? The first thing I want to suggest is we need to pause. Hit a pause button. The old folks say, I need to count to 10. You know, ironically, I never made it to 10. I, I always, I made it to six a couple of times, never made it to 10. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. What well, we need to pause. We need a pause button in our spiritual lives to give God the opportunity to step in. You cannot practice the power of his presence, his peace, if you don't have a pause button. So under heat, we've got to practice, here it is, Lord, give me the grace to shut down and let you speak to my heart. Does that make sense? Now, you're not doing that overnight. This is a practicing of his presence. This is a practicing of his presence. I get up in the morning. Good morning, Lord. Thank you for watching over me last night. I get in my car to go to work. Lord, da-da-da-da. I get to work. Lord, I, I come home from work. Lord, uh, you and I have to practice his presence. Now, how, do, how, how does this help us? If I'm practicing his presence, I'm starting to refrain and stay away from things that are unlike him. So I don't cuss you out if I'm constantly practicing his presence. Are y'all getting this? But I need a what? I need a pause button. How many of you have a hard time 
when heat is turned up, pausing. Be honest. This is about honesty. Pausing. All right, let's take my sister there. I love you, baby. Thank you. Thank you for consenting to do this. So what, what is it about your pause button that gives you trouble? All right, hold on, baby. Hold on. My name is Donald Trump. You're fired. Here, here. <laughs> Go ahead. And fear gets in the way mm -hmm. and all kinds of thoughts get in the way and it mm -hmm. takes you away from really turning to Jesus very, for me. Very articulate. Thank you. Very, very articulate. I, I was talking to somebody today and I said um, in April 29 years, I said I had buried a lot of pain. I buried pain. That when I have pain, I don't always deal with it. I bury it. I keep moving. I keep working. I stay busy because I don't want to deal with the pain. Now, that's unhealthy psychologically because anything you bury will resurrect. Are y'all getting this? But I stay busy because I keep moving because it's hard to hit a moving target. I don't have to deal with all my pain every day because I got a work schedule that I'm trying to meet, da, 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 da. Now, have I resolved issues? No. They, they're apt to come back up, right? And you're fighting internal pain for years because there are some things we deal with, some things we won't deal with. Is that, is that, is that, is that, is that a fair statement? We don't deal with everything that comes up, that right? Hello? You want to speak in an unknown tone? Well, we, don't, we, we, we typically don't deal with everything that comes up because um, we... It's easier for us to keep moving, bury it, and hope it goes away. Ostrich. Put your head in the sand and hope the problem goes away. Right? And, and, and this is human nature. That, and, and some people take that as a, a sort of strength. It's not strength. Well, I just bury my pain and keep moving. Well, that's it's dangerous because it's going to come back. All right. Um, that's natural for me to do. If I feel hurt, unfulfilled, if I feel something's not going on the way I want it to, just put it away and deal with it later. You know, you know, we make these excuses, keep moving, it'll work itself out. We got all these rationales. And some things will not work themselves out. You got to stop, pause, and deal with it. I didn't say deal with the other person. You got to deal with what's going on inside of you. Are y'all getting this? So, the pause button allows Jesus to step into the situation with his word, all right, with his wisdom. And he can minister to our wounds if we just pause, if we just pause. Lord, I'm not feeling good today about myself. I'm not feeling good today. Uh, this is a bad time in my life. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, uh, and pray about everything, and everything, give thanks, pray about everything. We're telling the Lord what's going on, and yet we're asking him to step in of that difficult situation to help practice his presence. So the pause button, the, 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 the pause button is critical. It's, it's critical. 
um, is critical. And we don't always make the right decisions. We don't always say the right things. We don't always do the right things. We don't always go to the right places uh, because we got to practice the Paul's button, practice his presence so that God, we can hear God succinctly. We need to hear Jesus in our problems succinctly. We need to hear him clearly. We need to know it's him. We can't guess. I heard a voice last night. I had a dream. I, yeah, no, we need to know that we know. And we only know that when we get in that word. And God's spirit agrees with our spirit that God is speaking to us. Now, being still and knowing that he's God does not mean that the situation is going to come out the way you want it to come out. Sometimes God will say, be still, just to keep your psyche intact. God has three answers, yes, no, later. And, and so you can't keep praying, believing that God's going to tell you what you want to hear. That, that's, not, that's not the way God operates. So one of the things that we're looking at tonight is this. Now watch this now. And, 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 and this is, this is um, kind of with all of us. Under fire. Under fire. Could be on your job, could be in your marriage, could be in your ministry, could be in your money, could be in your health. When we get under fire, the three areas we've identified, here's what Satan does. Satan says, okay, I got one of three ways while they're under fire to present them with something that will cause them to make the wrong move. And, and the first thing is conflict. So God, so Satan uses conflict. Satan doesn't always send conflict. Conflict is a part of life. It rains on the just and on the unjust. Now let me tell you what that scripture means. The saved got to go through the same exact thing. The unsaved got to go through. It rains on the just and the unjust. All right? So if conflict is something under fire that the devil can use to, to, to stop me from practicing his presence, his peace and power, he's going he's gonna to use it. Conflict. Conflict. The second thing we said was comparisons, which is always dangerous if I'm comparing my life with you, I'm, I'm in a whole nother stratosphere now because I'm not you. If I'm comparing my life now with my life from 20 years ago, I got major problems. Are y'all getting this? Yeah. And what happens, what Satan does is he brings this comparison to where we were before we met God. And where you and I were before we met God is defined by us as being happy. I was happy before I got saved. 
That's the way the devil is going to position this thing. I was free. I had no family. I had to go through all this fussing. I, I didn't have these wayward kids. I, 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 you, you know, you was on the college campus doing your thing. But whatever. I'm talking about way back when. So through comparisons, if I'm not careful, Satan will tap into my former life and start comparing where I am now psychologically where I was then. Now I got major problems. Because the flesh is going to produce data for you. Remember, uh, remember 30 years ago, 25 years ago, 20 years ago? Remember, remember how, how, how everything was just easy and you were happy and you didn't go through all this? That thing on comparisons is deep. And that's why Paul says, forgetting those things that are behind, we got to keep reaching for the mark of the calling of, of, of in Christ Jesus. We cannot get caught up going back in the past. There are some traps from the past that we didn't even detect. Are you, are you getting me? Some, some uh, you know, I was saying Sunday at the second service, and it's on TV. I said, man, I, at 19, I made some stupid, reckless decisions. I was in the military two years at 19. I went in at 17. I did so. I mean, I look back now, it's just stupid. Young and dumb. Reckless. No fear of nothing. If I die, I die. So what? Let's move on. Huh? Reckless. And here's where I shout. God was faithful, even through that recklessness, to bring me out. Are y'all getting this? Most of our praise is not what God is doing today. It's what God has already done yesterday. Mo mo most of what we're praising God for is from the past. And if we can muster up the faith about the future, that's even more. So, 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 so one of the things is, Comparison. Let's talk about comparisons. How does Satan use comparisons? And it could be with other people. It, uh, how does Satan use comparisons to depress us from practicing the presence of Jesus? How, how, what, what is it he can do through comparisons on any level? Comparisons on any level. Could be you, where you are now, versus where you were years ago. Uh, where you are now and where you hope to be today. That's another big one. Any, anybody want to elaborate on comparisons? Thank you. Psalm 37. Fret not thyself because of evildoers. Here's what I learned in life. There's no shortcuts. Shortcuts is a lie. No shortcut. Everybody that believes they got a shortcut, it's going to smack you in the face. There's no shortcuts. Life is short and full of trouble. All right. Um, but you're absolutely right. We, we tend to look at other people and know that we're saved, we're trying to live right, and we get upset when we see the wicked prospering. That makes us angry, doesn't it? It makes us feel like God doesn't care about us. Yes, sir.
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But this is why we got to constantly, daily read the word, because Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 3, 1, that we were appointed to these afflictions. Now, if you don't read that, you'll walk away and say, God, what's going on? Why, why is it that Joe Blow, who's going to hell, has it good, and here I am, trying to tithe, trying to serve you, trying to pray, and, I, and, 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 and I'm going through all this racket. You got to get a perspective. You, you okay, man? You know, your wife is back there. What, y'all ain't speaking? Okay. See, I notice everything. All right. So, 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 <laughs> that's my partner from South Philly. Yeah, all right. So, so, um, he came in and sat on the back row and you come all the way up the front. All right. So, so you got comparisons. And then the third thing that I said that Satan uses is wrong counsel. Satan invades our counsel. Don't go to every Tom, Dick, and Harry for counsel because misery loves company. Get God's counsel. Now, you can get testimonies. You can figure out. You can talk to people and say, well, um, you know, what would you do in this situation? I mean, you can do all that, but get God's counsel because there may be something that God is working on or trying to work out but these, under fire, these are the three big ones. These are the three big ones. Three big ones. <laughs> and, 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 you know, coming out of the streets and coming from South Philly and then the military and all that, I, I just uh, got a lot of stuff built up. Crazy. Crazy. I had to go back and apologize to some of my family. You know, when my dad died, and my dad was like the... Uh, God, he was like the centerpiece of everything. And when we buried him, you know, and I, you know, I'm just now touching the pain. Because I never touched it at the funeral because I was trying to get through the funeral, trying to get the family together, trying to do all, you know, I was the, you know, I didn't touch, I didn't touch no pain, man. Me and my dad was close. So about two weeks after the funeral, I'm sitting up there still painful. My phone started ringing. My, some of my relatives, hey, dad ain't with us no more. I was wondering if you could help me. I said, that ship sailed. And the Lord said, why did you say that to him? <laughs> that ship sailed, Doc. Don't come, don't come calling me. I ain't playing that role. But, but that was indicative of my hurt as well. I'm not doing what he did. Now, in that pain, come on now. Some of y'all been married three or four times. I'm not doing what that first one did. That, that was free. Uh, so, so, so my point is that these, these are the three areas, conflict, comparisons, counsel. When we hit the pause button, we allow God to step in. We need to be quiet. We need to be sensitive. We need to spend time in the word. Let the sower sow the seed. Let the sower straighten out the soils. Let the sower put the right seed in the heart, a rema word, a fitted word that you and I need for that fitted time. Are you getting me? And, 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 and so we, uh, 
we dealt with that. Now we make a transition tonight into from chapter 7 on marriage where he was talking to save being married to save and he was talking to widows and unmarried, divorced people uh, and then he was talking about virgins, people who had never been married. Paul dealt with that and, and, Paul, and, Paul, and Paul's basic argument was and you know, this stuff amazes me. The Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. This stuff amazes me that somebody can come up with a line like this, Paul had problems with women. Paul had no problems with women. Why? Well, he didn't like women. Well, first of all, he had to have a wife because he was a Pharisee. Either she died or she left, but he had a wife. Here's what Paul says. I wish, talking to singles, talking to virgins, talking to those that were divorced and un remarried. I wish you were like I was. I had the gift of celibacy where there's not a need for sex. There's not a need for a companion. I wish you had that gift. Why, Paul? Put it in context because you can do more for the Lord. I saw, that was his whole argument. You can do more for the Lord if you're single. So he's boosting Jesus Christ. He's not telling you there's something wrong with marriage. And, and when I deal with the singles ministry, one of the, first, one of the first myths, there's 10 myths I'm going to deal with. One of the first myths I'm going to deal with to singles is that don't look to marriage as a fulfillment. Marriage is not a fulfillment. TV and the culture is telling you that, and that's a lie. Them folk in Hollywood got billion, millions and millions of dollars and they're getting divorced every six months. Marriage is not a fulfillment. Your wife, your husband cannot fulfill you. Innately, there is a vacuum hole in every man that only Jesus can fill. And, and, and see, we got to understand this, that if I'm looking for a person to take the place of Jesus, it ain't going to work. Now, now, don't get me wrong, because a good mate, a good companion can compliment and help out, right? Yeah. Can we get more than one amen on that? <laughs> but can't nobody on earth fulfill you? Everything we do and everything we're a part of, wait till Sunday because I'm dealing with truth. Everything we do and everything we are part of is this. Look, the flesh nature, the old nature, the Adamic nature automatically says, whatever I get, I got to keep on getting, and I'm never satisfied. So if I eat breakfast, I'm hungry again at lunch. If I eat lunch, I'm hungry again at supper. Be nice to eat once a week and make it. You can't do it. The flesh, the flesh nature. Hello. One relationship is not going to fulfill you for life. Sex is not going to fulfill you for life. It's not going to happen. I was in the military, and, and I wasn't even saved. You know, I heard these older guys talking, and, you know, we young boys. We 19, 20, acting crazy, reckless, and we talk about sex and all that from an unsaved perspective. And, and, and one of the old sergeants said, son, listen, there's 24 hours in a day. 
you work eight, right? You sleep eight, that's 16. And the other eight is not going towards sex. He was given some clarity about time. Meaning that in a 24-hour protracted area of time, guess how much time comes out of that 24 hours for something that the world and the culture is blowing up as being, I can't live without it. It ain't happening. It ain't happening. The fact of the matter is, is the reality of acceptance. Now, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to move. Acceptance. God's word says, when a man or woman gets married, we have to immediately accept the person with all their stuff. Now, that's a, that's a prayer life there, Doc. We got to accept them, right? Now, look at the sequence. I'm talking to people that are married. You got to accept the person you're married fully. You don't accept that in stages. You accept the person with all of their weaknesses, downtrodden history. I accept you. I don't know how we're going to work through this, but I accept you. The second A, you move from acceptance to adjustment. Now we got to start making some adjustments so we can coexist. Are y'all getting that? Mm-hmm. And, and, and then the third A, of course, is the, the, the accommodating of one another. That, that, but it all starts with acknowledging and acceptance. I, I'm married to you. You're my wife. You're my husband. I love you. I accept you the way you are. That I, I may not like everything about you, but I accept you. And from that, that, that's the strength of a relationship, the acceptance. When people don't feel accepted, they don't feel loved. Are y'all, are y'all getting this? Well, y'all kind of quiet tonight. Well, I accept the fact that you give me money, and I accept the fact that, you know, you're a good provider, but uh, who are you to start enumerating what somebody brings to the table? No, acceptance has to be instantaneous. And, and, and until acceptance is instantaneous, adjustment is difficult. And the reason I don't want to make adjustments is because I never accepted you. Y'all, y'all get this, uh, Leroy, they'll, they'll get this on the way home. Do you love me? I married you, didn't I? <laughs> Give you all my money, don't I? I fix things around the house that ain't even broken. I got to hear you fussing all the time. Like, yeah, yeah, I love you. Yeah, I love you. Yeah. Now, that's not the way we should communicate, trust me. But acceptance. Now, 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 guess how many of us have problems with acceptance? And I'm going to tell you why we got problems with acceptance. Because you don't accept yourself. You cannot accept another person when you don't accept yourself. Love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and then when you get God in, love your neighbor as yourself. On these two, hang all the law and the prophets. So if you want them Bible students in the Old Testament looking for scripture to substantiate your argument, throw them out. See, Jesus blew their minds. 
Pharisees come trying to show off how much word they knew. Well, Jesus said, listen, let's just boil this whole thing down to two commandments. Forget the ten. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Now, when I love God with all my heart, soul, and mind, that's 99% of the problem. Are y'all getting this? Then love your neighbor as you love yourself. And Jesus said on these two commandments, hang everything. The law and the prophet. And see, I'm, I'm going to get to it. Just, this is my whole thing with this political arena and what's going on in our country, what's going on in our world. Your fruit does not match your faith. You profess to have faith, but you have no fruit. You can't say, I love the Lord, but you hate me. They don't go together. Are you, are y'all getting this? You can't say you love the Lord, but you're against the poor. When Jesus said, Jesus said more about the poor than he did the rich. It's, it's inconsistent. Which, you can't say you love the Lord and you're trying to have a sex change. I thought I'd wake you up tonight. They, the two don't match. Because once you love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength, the word that's sown in your heart is received. That's, this thing is heavy. This thing is heavy. So here we are in chapter 8, since you're quiet. Let me go back and ask a question, and, we, and we, we're on good time. I want you to be honest. You know, folk ain't honest. I, just be honest this one time. Then get in your car and live the lie out again. But just be honest this one time. How many of you sitting here tonight are in denial about yourself? All right, baby, I, I ain't going to call you. Thank you. Thanks for raising your hand. You just can't accept certain things about yourself. Hmm. Interesting. Um, that whole denial is dangerous, and what it does, it helps me to feel good about myself. It helps me to protect myself. I'm not tearing myself down. I don't care what pastor says. I ain't trying to tear you down. I'm trying to get you to be honest. Humble yourselves before God and he will lift you up. So if I'm honest with myself, Lord, in my prayer life, I say, Lord, I don't always say the right things, do the right things. Lord, I'm messing up. Help me, you know, navigate through this. Help me, heal me, strengthen me. Lord, reach down to the innermost parts of my being and whatever's there that's in pain or hurting, away. Are y'all getting this? Hmm. All right. Now, we move and, 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 and just like John 5, we have people in church, if you talk to them long enough, uh, Leroy, 
everything that they have a problem with is based on somebody else. See, 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 here's, here's where the rubber meets the road. I cannot blame everything on Sister Brooke. I just can't. She's a beautiful, I can't blame everything on her. I tried. <laughs> the woman you gave me, I, I tried. Now, how many of y'all guys have blamed stuff on your wife? Come on now, raise your hand up. Now, every man's hand should be up, but that's okay. I love you too. But we can't blame others for what's going on on the inside that's devastating us. There's something wrong with the soil, the heart. There's something not, could be history, could be hurts. There's something that we need God to step in on and to deal with. All of us. Every last one. Root boy. One of the reasons I am so transparent is not for attention. You know, let me tell you why I'm so transparent. Because when I got saved, I got sick. I saw the hypocrisy of people. I got sick. Are you kidding me? These folk in church with these long prayers and all this shouting, and they demons. They demons. They ain't got no fruit. They demons. They just... You know, and, 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 and I said, I don't want no relationship with God like that. I'm struggling with sin in my life. I'm struggling with staying above water. I'm struggling with being happy. I'm struggling with being uh, in, in a restful state. Are y'all getting me? I, I can't sit here and put on this facade. I can't do it. I can't put on this facade and, and then be happy on the inside. But I'm protected on the outside. You understand? Oh, he's such a spiritual person. He just reads scripture to us. He prays with it. Excuse me, you playing numbers at 11 o'clock and, you know, he got all kind of stuff in his life going on. And, and, you know, and that's fine because we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But what I'm trying to get you to see is be true to thyself, O man. If you're not true to anybody else, be true to yourself. And if we confess our sins, say the same thing God is saying, he will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, so, so when I used to do counseling, Leroy, I did it for years. I was not concerned about the one that was talking. I was not concerned about the one that was answering questions. I was concerned about the other one who was just sitting there in denial. Oh, I got this picture. Or the one that brought the other mate to the pastor. Pastor, I asked my husband to come in because we got problems. And pastor, I just want you to work this, uh, pray. And pastor, I, cause he, she just keeps talking. And the poor husband sitting there like this. He all beat up. <laughs> Corinthians chapter 8, Paul now is moving into liberty. Liberty. How to be free. Liberty, liberty, liberty. Now, mind you, the Corinthian church was a polytheistic society. They had many gods, right? 
So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 8, these, they, because they wrote Paul asking questions again. Now, concerning, excuse me, now as touching things offered unto idols. Now, let's stop because in the first 13 verses, Paul is saying that our knowledge must be balanced by love. Our knowledge, and I'm going to get to the word knowledge in a minute, our knowledge must be balanced. That's why we call this, this uh, lesson a, a, a balanced diet. Though I have, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, though I have what? Paul, Paul, Paul is using this metaphorically. Uh, though, though, though I, I'm, I'm nothing but a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. Remember that? Though, though I have all this power and I can change things and I can alter things and have not love, I'm nothing but a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. I'm making a lot of noise. So in this matter of balance, and he's, he's, he's moving us into this area of a life of freedom. All of our knowledge, whether secular or spiritual, must be balanced by love. Ephesians 4 says, speak the truth in love. Truth without love is brutality. And truth with love, Lord have mercy, with no truth is hypocrisy. Let, let this one soak in. Though I have faith that I can move mountains and have not charity, I'm nothing. Everything that God is asking us to do has to be mixed with love. Not anger, not, not our fractures from our history. Love has got to be in the neighborhood to balance out our knowledge. So, if I dropped out of school in the seventh grade and I'm, I'm, I can barely talk and I don't know how to write, don't know how to read, and you got a, a doctor's degree, it is not God's will for you to make me look little. Are y'all getting this? And you got people, they're so concerned about themselves at your expense. At your expense. The most intelligent people I've met in life are humble, down to earth, and you would never know their accomplishments. You would never know their accomplishments because they don't use them to prop themselves. Are y'all getting this? So let's talk about this matter of balance between knowledge and love. Hmm. I, I used to, <laughs> again, this is from the military, I used to say to people, sometimes we get in a conversation and I say, you know, I ain't talking to you. I forgot more than you know. They just walk away. That ain't of God. It's about me. And it's a lie. It's a good lie. When we have to use, our, when we have to push others down so that we emerge to the top, that's satanic. So let's, let's look at how Paul talks about balancing knowledge 
and love. First Corinthians 8, are you with me? Now, in this touching things offered unto idols, we know that we all have what? Knowledge, but knowledge puffeth up, but love, charity, what? Edifieth, edifieth. And, and if any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing, yet as he ought to know. But if any man love God, the same is known of him. As concerning things, the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world, and there is none other God but one. Now let me stop and put this in context. This, this, this scenario is not going to happen today. In Paul's time, the first century, um, Corinth was an ungodly, polytheistic society. A bunch of gods. All right. And it was a lot of sin going on in Corinth. The word Corinth or Corinthian means drunkard. There was a lot of sin going on. And what they did, because there were so many gods, they would take animals and offer them into a false god in a temple. They would offer the animal, pray over it, and after they offer to the god, then they take the meat, put it in the marketplace to sell it. Now, the weak Christians couldn't buy that meat. Oh, I, I, uh, uh, go down, go to, go down Ninth Street and give me two chickens. I ain't buying that. They offered that to this god. But the strong Christian said, "Man, that meat is cheap. I'm getting that meat. I I know who I believe in." Are you Are y'all getting me? So 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 that was an argument in the first century that the weaker Christian had a conscience problem. I we can't we can't do that. The weaker brother in Christ and sister in Christ are caught up in rules and regulations. They're rigid. The stronger one has much more latitude. But they don't want to, you, you don't want to put a stumbling block before your brother and sister. So we are not free to do whatever we want to do in front of everybody. And that's why we got to be careful. We, we're not free to do that. Are y'all getting this? So Paul's argument is not, in 2016, it's not about meats. It's other things that one feels uncomfortable and the other does not. Should Christians go to the movies? You've got a lot of Christians that say, I don't go to the movies. It's, ungod it's an ungodly atmosphere. I don't want to go. Well, you don't have to sit there and badger them. You're wrong. That's their conscience. Are you getting me? Going to the movie, dancing, casual glass of wine with your meal. All of these things are controversial. They're all controversial. And there are other things that we condemn one another about that God may not have a problem with in the right context. Are y'all are getting this? This is tough territory now. Tough territory. So, I had, years ago, I had, I had a Christian in this church say, Pastor, um, I want to get rid of all my televisions. And I got them at home, and if the church wants them, I'll bring them in. I said, bring them to me. <laughs> I'll sell three and keep one. Bring them to me. 
I ain't got a problem walking fellas. I'm, I mean, you know, whatever. All right. Well, Christians, Christians ought not go to the movies. And I say, why? There's unsaved people there. There's unsaved people in your job. Are you going to work tomorrow? There's unsaved people in the bowling alley. There's unsaved people in the restaurant. So what is the real argument here? What some See, the weaker brother wants to set a tone for everybody. So we have our evening of elegance. We party hearty. We have a good time. Yeah. And you say, well, I don't think, well, stay home. <laughs> we ain't actually buy no ticket. Bye. Now, if I come in church and you here on Sunday morning with your Bible waiting for the word and I pull out the four tops, I just can't help myself, <laughs> then, then you ought to have a problem with that. Because our purpose for being here is to glorify him. Come on, and to worship him. I play peanut. I love peanut. I ain't got no chips and money. So we got to be careful that you don't play God and make a rule for everybody. When it's a gray area, because there's black and white areas. Some areas are just natural sin, right? Other areas are questionable. You know, I had members past I was invited to a wedding. One of my family members are getting married and they're going to be dancing and drinking there, and it's going to be an open bar. Should I go? And I said, well, that's between you and God. I said, you know, um, just, just know that you're there for the purpose of, you know, attending your relatives, you know, wedding. You understand? And, and I try to talk to them. Now, if you go in there and you and then, then, you know, you shouldn't have went. You, you, you know. Uh, so... These areas, they don't necessarily deal with me, but they deal with other things. All right? They deal with other things. Um, I've had people in my car. You know, I'm, I'm, you know I'm, I love oldies. I got every oldie you can think of from the 50s on up. I, I love old, I got a lot of oldies. You get in my car and say, well, turn on gospel. Well, you're going to get out of heritage. I'm putting your butt out of heritage. I ain't got no gospel from now. I ain't like it. <laughs> you know. So you ain't going to get in my car and tell me what to listen to. Are you, are you okay? Now, I'm not going to offend you. So what I'll do is, uh, Pastor, is that, is that rock and roll? Yeah, rock your butt out of my car and roll up the street because I, I ain't fooling with it. This is my car. So, you know, the, 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 fact, the fact of the matter is, is that, and, and, we, and we, we got we to gotta be in love because I got to protect and, and here's what I heard an old preacher say years ago. Here's what I heard a preacher say years ago. Question came up in Bible study. Is it okay for Christians to have a casual drink? And the pastor said, don't do it. Why? Here's why. What if God delivered me from alcoholism? I was an alcoholic. I wasn't. Mr. Gordon was. I wasn't. <laughs> I, I, let's say I was an alcoholic, and I had to go there, Alcoholic Anonymous and all that. I had to fight this problem, and now I'm healed, and I go to a church fellowship, and you reintroduce some liquor in front of me. That becomes a stumbling block. Are y'all getting this? 
So here's how Christians get around this stuff. Here's how Christians get around this stuff. He said, Tom, would you like to come to my party? In fact, Tom, do you drink? If not, you can't come. So, so we just go through the church and find out what everybody does. You know, uh, that, that's only a joke. Um, ha, 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 yeah. So, so um, I'm, 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 let, me, let me go back to the word. Verse 4, as concerning, therefore, the eating of those things which have been offered in sacrifice unto idols, we know that an idol is nothing. Verse 5, for though there be uh, that are called gods, whether in heaven or earth, uh, and he's talking about mul uh, multiple gods, verse 6, but to us there is only one God, the Father of Jesus Christ. Howbeit, verse 7, there is not in every man that knowledge for some with conscience. The, your conscience should not be your God. The Holy Spirit should be your God. Your conscience is your internal alarm system. You got to pay attention to your conscience. Are y'all with me? Verse 8, but, but meat commendeth us not to God, for neither if we eat or are we better, neither if we don't eat or are we worse, but take heed, lest by any means this liberty of yours become a what? A stumbling block to them that are what? Weak! And through, verse 11, the knowledge shall the weak brother, what? Perish. So there, uh, liberty is balanced by love, or knowledge is balanced by love. Okay, and, and, and one of the things that we have to learn to do is to just love people and not try to flaunt in front of them what we feel is all right. Are you, are you understanding this? I like joking around. I like, I like, I like sarcasm. I just like something sick about that, but I like it. I like it. So I'll sit up there and listen to Sanford say to Esther, you so ugly, they could dip your face in dough and make gorilla cookies. And I'll laugh all night. And somebody come in the room and say, that's kind of sick for a Christian to laugh at. Well, you know, just Think it's funny. <laughs> I think it's funny. I think it's funny. Um, my God. I need better illustrations, right? Uh, so, so, so my point is, as we close tonight on point one about balance, all of our knowledge, whether it's spiritual or whether it's secular, has to be balanced by love. Everything should be done um, in love. I should be trying to work out your good, your better. Amen? I should not have you walk away frowning because I said, did, or thought something in your presence that put a stomach block before you. Are you getting this? Um, and, and, and so that is, that is what Paul is referring to here in this text about Knowledge being balanced by love. Any, any questions on this? Any statements before we close? Uh, about knowledge being balanced by love. Any examples of knowledge that needs to be balanced by love? Anything? Hmm. You say, well, 
uh, excuse me, Pastor, where is, it, where is it in the Bible where God said that uh, you ought to be holy? And I come off like, you don't know that? Well, that ain't love. <laughs> That's flaunting in front of people. Are you getting me? When people come to me and say, I'm struggling in my marriage, here's my response. I'll pray for you. I don't need to know all the particulars. I don't need to know the facts. I'll just pray for you. Ain't none of my business what's going on. I'll just pray for you. Well, I got to know what to pray for. I know you're newsy. That's your problem. You're newsy. You're trying to get information. Just pray for it. I need prayer. Just pray. Are y'all getting this? So we cannot put these stumbling blocks before one another. And if we're going to practice the presence, the power, and the peace of Jesus, we got to have a pause button. Lord, pause me long enough to let you in charge. Won't that work? Let's stand on our feet. Now, this doesn't happen overnight. You got to practice this. If there's somebody here that needs to be saved, Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, died for your sins, was buried, and rose again. If you want to be saved, raise your hand or join our church. We'd love to have you as their one. All right, let's pray for strength. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this word. Strengthen us, O oh God, that we do not put stumbling blocks before one another. Strengthen us that, O oh God, we will not flaunt our liberty. Strengthen us that we will practice your presence, power, and peace by hitting our pause button under heat. When fire comes in, help us to just be still and know that you're God. And we thank you for the outcome. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Love you.